What's up, my friends? Welcome to Good Human, a podcast for all the multifaceted humans trying to navigate this crazy world. I don't know about you, but the internet has kind of made me feel like I need to define my whole life purpose and confine my personality to some palatable niche. So I'm here to remind you, and myself, that being a human is way more than the perfect Instagram photo or internet persona. It's being messy and loud one day and soft and sensitive the next. It's being intelligent and mature and also silly and wild. It's crying during a cute rom-com, belly laughing with your friends, and having a meltdown because you burned the banana bread you were trying to make all in one night. So whether you want to create a morning routine, decide if you want to be a parent, try a new pasta recipe, get out of a funk, or just have a little gossip about pop culture, we'll talk about it all. Because sometimes you want to ponder the meaning of life, and other times you just want to giggle about internet memes. Whatever it is you're tuning in for, let this podcast serve as a refreshing reminder that you don't have to know exactly who you are in this world. Just know that you are, without a doubt, a good human. Hello, my friends. Well, welcome back to another episode. I hope you're having a really great day. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I hope it's a good one. No sparkling water of the day today, unfortunately, because we are out. Matt and I have been just sipping through so much sparkling water lately. I feel like we do this with everything where it's like, I'll buy a certain amount of something and we'll eat it or drink it so fast. So the next time, I'll buy more of it, and instead of it lasting longer, we just end up eating or drinking more of it faster. Like, we went, we ate a whole loaf of sourdough bread yesterday. I bought it yesterday morning, and it is gone now. So I try to buy more Spindrift because I know we drink it so fast, and then we just end up going through two cases in four days instead of one case in four days. So if anybody knows how to alleviate that problem, let me know. We've also been rotisserie chicken fiends lately. I love a rotisserie chicken. I haven't yet cooked chicken, like, from raw. I've been able to do everything else, like steak, ground turkey I'll do. I don't know why I cannot cook chicken raw. We have not made it to that step yet. But a rotisserie chicken, sign me up. They're, like, eight bucks for the whole chicken. I don't actually know if that's a good or a bad deal, But compared to what everything else costs nowadays, I feel like eight bucks for a rotisserie chicken is a good deal. And you'll find me standing at the kitchen counter picking at that thing with my fingers, okay? I have made such a 180 in the last few months from not eating meat for six and a half years to just literally eating it with my hands. Just getting in there with my little paws. I also, I had a rotisserie chicken incident at the grocery store the other day when I bought one. And you know, I'm I'm feeling proud of myself because I took accountability and responsibility for what happened and I'm just feeling very mature and very proud of myself. So I go to the self-checkout, as one does, with my rotisserie chicken. It was like the only thing I had. I had rotisserie chicken and like bread. Um, because like I had mentioned previously, Matt and I are eating just full loaves of bread within days. So we needed to restock on the bread. So picture this, I'm at the self-checkout with my sourdough loaf and my rotisserie chicken, and I notice that the barcode is on the top of the rotisserie chicken container. And so I'm thinking to myself, this is all happening within just seconds, but to me, time stood still. And I'm thinking I have two options. I can reach for the handheld barcode scanner and scan it that way, 
Um, or I could flip the whole rotisserie chicken upside down and scan it over the normal scanner. Um, and of course, I'm going to avoid touching anything in public if I can. So I quickly decided against grabbing the handheld barcode scanner. And I give the little rotisserie chick a little a little flip, a little flip to do, just a whoop, real quick, scan the barcode. I was like, perfect. That was great. And then I, I begin to smell something. And then I go to scan my sourdough and I see just a puddle of rotisserie chicken juice on the self-checkout scanner. And it was in that moment that I realized I made a huge mistake and I I spilled. I juiced the chicken, the rotisserie chicken juiced um, all over the self-checkout. And so again, time stands still. I'm thinking to myself, I have a couple options here. I could ignore it and walk away which is arguably the wrong thing to do. I could go to an employee and say that there is a mysterious liquid on the self-checkout, that there, there's just something there, and act like it wasn't me and I, I don't know what happened. Um, that also felt wrong. So I finished the transaction, collected my belongings, and I walked up to an employee and I said, hey, excuse me, I spilled my rotisserie chicken juice on cash register number nine. I am so sorry. And no eye contact was made during this, um, not on my behalf, on their behalf. Um, they let out a sigh, grabbed the paper towels that were at their little stand, um, and they walked away. So I'm so sorry to contribute to someone already hating their job, I'm sure, but really proud of myself for owning up in that moment um, and taking accountability for the juice. And I wish I could say stuff like this is an isolated incident, but I do something embarrassing, different levels of embarrassment, but you're guaranteed to have something embarrassing or awkward happen anytime I leave the house. So that's a little bit about me. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today, we're talking about what I'm calling the death of the influencer. So the New York Times put out an article titled 13 Predictions for Life in 2023. It's all about trends and predictions for the new year. And I absolutely love stuff like this. I eat it up. And so amongst this article are things like vibes. The word vibes is apparently going to be out. Um, no more vibes. They're comparing it to kind of how the word mood was used in the 2010s. Like you'd say something, you'd be like mood. And now it's like, that's a vibe. I still say both. I will probably continue to still say both, but that gives you a kind of idea of the types of things this article goes into. Um, there's more like comfort in the soft, how soft fabrics are going to be trending, the end of shoelaces with the rise of Birkenstocks and slip-on shoes like that. We saw a ton of focus on skincare in recent years, so they're predicting hair care is going to be the next big thing, which I already see a ton of on TikTok. But the one that I find the most interesting and the one that I have wanted to talk about for a while, I've had stuff in my notes kind of along this topic for months now, is what they're calling revenge of the normie. They say that, quote, Americans are going to gravitate towards media experiences and political figures that are just regular, degular, and rather wholesome. Less of the extreme and more of the everyday pleasures. And, oh, I have been waiting for this one because something that I have noticed more in social media lately, that I am personally no longer drawn to the super curated content, both as a creator and as someone consuming content on social media. And I think TikTok is to thank or to blame for this. I think that TikTok has really emphasized casualness and 
everyday relatability and I think that's where Instagram has really struggled to kind of keep up and not just Instagram as a platform but those who are using Instagram as their main platform to create content I see such a stark difference in those who are Instagram content creators and those who are TikTok content creators it's very obvious to me for this exact reason Instagram still is that ultra curated feed the doing like fake photo shoots to get content which is something that I absolutely used to do like this is no hate or shade to anybody that still does this it's just not what I am drawn to anymore and I can absolutely see a huge shift away from this coming soon if not already it's already here here's an example of what I'm talking about it's going to a coffee shop just specifically with the purpose of getting photos and getting content versus going to the coffee shop because you want coffee and grabbing like a casual photo of that. A casual photo of the coffee shop, a little candid pic of you like holding the coffee, walking home. That is the stark difference that I see specifically between Instagram and TikTok. It's the renting spaces to take like these beautiful professional photos versus just documenting your life, getting content out of the normalcy of what you're doing day to day. And again, no tea, no shade, no hate to anybody that creates content in the first way that I'm speaking of. Because if that works for you, that's cool, but that is no longer what I find myself drawn to. I think casualness is in, and that's why TikTok has gained so much popularity. Because it's no longer about having this, like, extraordinary content. TikTok has proved that anybody and everybody can create content and find success in that. And as a consumer, I find that so much more enjoyable because it has this feeling of authenticity behind it that the other sort of really stage curated kind of content doesn't have. It just, that kind of stuff feels so forced to me now. And maybe because I don't spend as much time on Instagram and I do spend far more time, arguably way too much time on TikTok. But that's the kind of content that I like, the cool, casual, chill, relaxed, relatable content. So I know this is exactly what the New York Times was looking for and waiting for, just confirmation that I really back what they're saying. So everyone can calm down now. You can stop sending me emails. You can stop sending the paparazzi to my house, okay? I agree. I back what you're saying. Revenge of the normie is in. And with this topic comes influencing. So what does that mean for the common influencer? What does the future of influencing look like? This is a topic that I'm so excited to dive into. I've had notes about this in my phone since like October and I just haven't gotten around to sifting through them and like coordinating a coherent thought. But I have been really inspired and motivated lately to kind of declutter my space and through that it's made me realize how much stuff I have bought from the internet. And so today we're mainly going to be talking about influencer culture, the impacts of it on our mental health, overconsumption, and de-influencing or anti-influencing. I've seen both of those two terms getting thrown around on TikTok. So let's talk about it. I'm going to preface this with my experience and I'm going to try to not get on a soapbox or at least have it not sound like I'm standing on a soapbox with a megaphone. But I will say this, I have been creating content on the internet now for like five and a half years, since summer of 2017. 
and it's never really been a source of income for me. And that over the years has been by choice. I've had plenty of opportunities if I wanted it to be, and I have taken advantage of some opportunities where I was able to make some money from it. But I will say this, it always felt weird. With the exception of a couple brands that I've worked with more long term, it's always felt uncomfy for me for some reason. I never liked doing paid posts because they had, it just made me feel weird for some reason. And I was never able to really figure out why. And I always thought it was something wrong with me. Like, why wouldn't I take this opportunity and run with it and and create a platform where I can gain a stream of income? But I found myself saying no more and more to opportunities that came up. Being paid to promote a product felt weird. I don't know how else to describe it other than it felt weird. And it wasn't because the products that I promoted I didn't like. Again, there were a couple of brands that I worked with long-term, like Frey Skincare. I used that for years and years. I absolutely love that. So having like a promo code with them and promoting it more organically and naturally through my content felt normal. It was the very defined partnerships or paid collaborations that felt off to me. And again, I was never going to talk about something or bring awareness to a brand or a product or encourage people to buy something that I didn't actually like. But the difference was with something like Frey Skincare, I was using that every day of my life. With other products, these one-offs that I would get offered, I would have to get the product and then use it first and then, you know, decide if I liked it. It, it felt weird because it wasn't already something I was using. Like, to me, I was only trying the product because I was having the opportunity to potentially get paid to talk about it on Instagram. Like, does that make sense? I don't know if that's, like, a clear clear difference. Without the paid collaboration, I likely wouldn't be using the product or wearing the item, so it felt forced. Even though I tried it out and I liked it, it was, like, the only reason I'm doing this is for Instagram content, is, is for money. And again, if that's something that you do and you feel fine doing that, then that's cool. But it was something that always made me feel icky, which is why I said no to stuff, which resulted in me completely not doing paid content anymore. And that's not a hard and fast rule. Like if I were to get the opportunity someday to work with a brand that I already use and love, I would do it. But if I'm getting reached out to to have a collaboration with a brand that I don't already use, I'm not doing it. So my reasoning for not really diving into influencer culture like I could have was initially just because it felt weird. Now there is this aspect of overconsumption that I I just can't get behind. I'm not going to come at anybody for making their bag, all right? But at the end of the day, influencers make a living off of the relatability and connection of consumption. And unfortunately, that's resulted in what I think are a lot of negative effects. I've been slowly decluttering all of my stuff because I move in four months and I am not taking anything out of this house that I don't need or use or love. And I started the other day with my makeup. I have this like little tower with these drawers in it with all of my makeup in it. And it's just too much. It's definitely not as much makeup as some people have. But for someone that does not wear makeup day to day, it's just way too much. Not to mention it was just filled 
with expired makeup, like literal products from my freshman year of college. So I'm documenting this whole process and I made a couple TikToks talking about de-influencing or anti-influencing because I think makeup is such a great place to start, especially if you were like a YouTube beauty guru girly in the mid-2010s. I felt like I had to have all of these products that my fave YouTube girlies were buying without even batting an eye or thinking about if I actually needed these products, if I could use them before they all expired, which very much could not. Hi, hello, NYX Soft Cream Matte Lipstick from 2016. What are you doing here? I would buy these items just because I felt like I had to have them because everybody else had them. And I said in one of my TikToks when it came to all of these like powdered bronzers and blush that I had, I wasn't even thinking about if it would work well for me. I have really dry skin and powders just like don't really work that well for me. I prefer a liquid blush or like a cream bronzer, but I was of the mindset that I have to have these things. Like who am I if I am not buying Too Faced Chocolate Soleil Bronzer, which I think is exactly how the internet makes us feel today, but on an even larger scale. Because I don't know about you, but literally every other video on my feed is, you need to have this product, you know, my holy grail this, like, you can't live without that. And it emphasizes that I have to have it mentality. And at the end of the day, we're all just left with a bunch of stuff. The amount of stuff that I have that I don't use regularly, I don't need, that I wasn't mindful about when purchasing. And with the rise of influencers, especially through the more casual feel of TikTok, it has escalated this like tenfold. And I feel like it needs talked about. And again, I'm not immune to this. Like, I have bought so much stuff from TikTok. I have three Stanley Cups, okay? Don't come for me. Like, (laughs) I have fallen victim to this over and over and over again, which is why I'm trying to check myself a little bit because the overconsumption, the mindless spending, like it's gotta chill. It's gotta stop. It's bad for my wallet, first and foremost. It's bad for my mental health, the constant feeling of needing to fill some void or that buying these physical items is going to fix my life in some way. And it's just not true. In fact, I think it makes those feelings worse. I think it emphasizes the void. I think it increases that desire for this immediate gratification. And I think all of this is dangerous. And third, it's so bad for the planet. Like, oh my god, we're just destroying the world because we just want to have all of this stuff. (laughs) Like, it's so stupid and it all just ends up sitting in a big pile of trash rotting on this earth for the rest of time. And without sounding like some annoying woke, like my third eye has been opened type of person, you really can't like unsee this stuff or unthink about it once it's brought to your awareness. Like taking out the trash, I can't even do that without thinking about how much trash we're producing as a household and the effects of that. I can't like not take a step back and think about my patterns of consumption anymore. Like I can't just order stuff on Amazon all the time and go pick up clothes from Forever 21 every other week and order things from Shein and have an Amazon storefront and keep buying the latest and greatest thing that everybody has because it's going to make my life so much better. Like I can't do this anymore. It is 
so bleak once it's kind of like brought to your awareness. And I totally don't want to make it sound like it's the individual's responsibility for specifically like environmental impacts of this kind of stuff because it's not for sure. But I do think that the whole there is no ethical consumption under capitalism is a little bit of a cop-out sometimes. I think there is a happy medium where you can be aware of the things that you're doing and the impact that individual choices you are making has on the world while also realizing that you are not individually responsible for what's going on. Like it's it's big corporations and ultra rich people that are essentially destroying the planet. But I don't think it's like cool or okay to partake in a lot of things that you know are harmful to the environment or to workers in certain working conditions and just slap a there's no ethical consumption under capitalism on that. I am of the mindset that it's cool to care. You should care about other people, you should care about the planet, and as someone who has been made to feel like I'm stupid or I care too much about things that don't actually matter, I would rather care too much than care too little. And I think the things that we can do as individuals to care about the planet and to care about other people do matter while also knowing that we are not solely responsible for the way things are. So that's my caveat on that. I was thinking about like how this has all come to be and I feel like we have been made to feel less than based on our appearance for such a long time now and everything that was marketed towards us was related to like our physical appearance and how to make us look better and while that still absolutely happens we've gained this new layer of trying to perfect like every aspect of our life it's no longer just about our physical appearance it's about like your whole home your whole life your whole vibe and we're constantly being told that you need all this stuff to make all of those areas better. And I've seen this a lot through myself. Like, I've spent a lot of time addressing everything going on deep down inside about, like, why I felt a certain way about my appearance and all the things I used to do and, and buy to try to make sure I presented myself and looked a certain way. And it's like I've moved in this other direction now where it's like I feel like I'm, I'm good enough physically... So I had to create this new problem where it's like, oh, my desk doesn't look nice enough or my living room isn't pretty enough or my kitchen dishes aren't cute enough. And I don't know anything about psychology, but that's a thing, right? Like we create these new problems that never used to be problems. You can see it within like the Kim K's of the world. Money solves most problems. So what do those kinds of people do when they've solved their problems with money? Make new problems which is why we see the beauty standards that we see and the aesthetic trends that we see. Now, buckle fat removal is like the new latest and greatest thing, removing like all the fat from your face. So many celebrities are doing it. And it's like, why? Stop, stop, stop. Why are we <laughs> creating all of these new problems? Like it's whether it's hip dips or buckle fat removal or the thigh gap, bushy eyebrows are in, no thin eyebrows are in. Like it is so exhausting and it's all tied together. Like we're constantly feeling like our lives aren't good enough in some capacity and we're trying to fill voids and through the internet and through influencer culture we're trying to fill these voids with stuff that we don't actually need and if i've learned anything in my 26 years it's that you can't go chasing happiness like you're never going to find it at least not long term 
happiness isn't going to magically appear at your front door when you lose those 10 pounds. It's not going to magically appear when you get that specific job title. And it's certainly not going to come from buying that new product that everybody has. Because I've lived in that kind of mindset before and nothing was ever enough. Like when you're constantly in that chasing mode, it doesn't just turn off whenever you get that thing you think you want. Then there's going to be that new thing that you think you want or that you have to have in order to be happy. And it's fucking exhausting. And so with influencers capitalizing on that feeling of needing to fill a void of conditional happiness, of wanting to be included and involved, it begs the question, can influencing be done ethically? Can it be done authentically? And this might ruffle some feathers, but even the most authentic, genuine influencer that you follow, there's still strategy there. It's still calculated to some degree because this is their career. This is their job. It's a business. And if they're wise, they're going to take note of what brings them success and do more of that. And this is also where parasocial relationships come into play, which is a whole other topic that I find so fascinating. But we build these parasocial relationships with these influencers where we feel like we know them so intimately and the way that they speak feels like they're speaking to us when they don't actually know you as an individual and it's hard to then say that they they care about you i don't want to say that influencers don't care about their audiences because i don't think that's the case but they don't care about you individually they don't know you individually they don't know you like you know them that's what a parasocial relationship is it's one-sided and again i think influencers can absolutely care about their audiences but at the end of the day part of that has to be because it's their stream of income without you without their audience they don't have a career so while the gratitude is genuine i think the reason behind it gets misconstrued and I think it sometimes mistakenly translates into them caring about you because if they see that engaging with you and creating these friendship-like social media relationships brings them the desired outcome of like clicking a link or making a purchase, they're going to continue to interact with you in that way or say the right things or be relatable so that you as a consumer continue to sort of like bite that hook when how much of it I question sometimes is real on behalf of the influencer. And I'm also not trying to come for people that do this as a career. People might not even realize themselves as the influencer how, I don't want to say fake, but, but why they do the things that they do. Why they post certain content, why they engage with you in a certain way. And for some, maybe it is truly authentic and they've found a way to be themselves and engage in a way that's authentic while making money but I think for a lot like I said it's a strategy at the end of the day it's a business for them they're they're going to pay attention to what works and what doesn't and do more of what works so does that make it inauthentic because on the consumer side we feel connected to these people based on what they've decided to post and if the influencer knows that coming on their stories and being vulnerable, for example, like sharing things about their life, making connections with their followers, if they know that that sells, if that results in an increase in whatever the desired outcome is, then they're going to do more of it. And at what point is it then calculated and not authentic anymore? 
And you could argue, well, that's how it is for any business. Like that's selling, it's marketing, it's advertising. That's, that's what it looks like anywhere. There's strategy involved. But I think the key distinction is that what feels like a one-to-one relationship between the consumer and the influencer. That's what makes it unique. You don't get that with a brand. And again, to the consumer, that can really look like, wow, this person is cool and feels like a friend. And that's when you enter that parasocial relationship where you feel like you know this person. So you trust them and feel comfortable making purchases based on what they recommend. But do they care about you? Are they invested in you as you are in them? Like I said, they can feel love and appreciation for their following as a whole, but they don't know you as an individual. The more I get into this topic, the more I'm like afraid to post this because I know lots of people that are influencers and do make careers out of this. And I'm not trying to talk shit. I just think these are important things to think about. I think it's really, really easy to like turn your brain off sometimes and just move through life without thinking about things a little bit deeper and not to be like a tinfoil hat conspiracist because that's also dangerous. I just think sometimes we we need to like unpack some of this a little bit. Like, what are we doing here? What is this world that we've created with the internet and and overconsumption and how is it impacting us? And I personally love internet culture. I grew up with the internet, like the internet raised me. And so I find these topics really, really interesting personally. And I feel like the overarching message and the sort of meaning behind why I do what I do on the internet and the things that I kind of post are that I want people to feel happy and healthy in all the areas of their life. And there's a lot of different areas to focus on. And from experience, being present and being mindful is one of the keys to living a happy life, a healthy, balanced life. And so as I sort of navigate that in my life, I want to share it. I want to talk about it, which is why I'm really enjoying this conversation going on on the internet right now about overconsumption and the rise of the anti-influencer. There's so many people on TikTok that are like doing exactly what it sounds like, de-influencing, like telling me that I don't need to buy a fourth Stanley Cup and I don't need the Charlotte Tilbury Foundation and I don't need that new set active workout set. And I appreciate those reminders so much. It is so refreshing to see something like that come up while I'm scrolling versus feeling so inundated by thing after thing after thing. And that's not to say I'm never going to buy anything again or that I'm not going to be influenced by anything again. Like, I think there's so much beauty and impact in doing something imperfectly. Like, I would rather be aware of something and try my best and do it imperfectly than to not be aware of it and and to not care and to not do anything about it at all. And I think when it comes to the heavier topics, individually, we kind of feel all the weight on our shoulders and it's like overwhelming because what can I do as an individual to make a difference or like how am I as an individual responsible for all of this? And the answer is you're not. But what you can do is be aware of things, be mindful of things and make intentional choices. So as I go through my house and I'm getting rid of all this stuff that I know I don't love, that I don't use regularly, that I don't need anymore, it's such a nice reminder to like not end up in the same place again. I'm making it my mission, in fact, to not end up in this place where I have all these clothes that I don't wear and all this makeup that I don't use and all of these skincare products that I'm never going to get through before they expire. 
And it's a great reminder that all of these things, all this stuff that I thought was going to bring me all this happiness and solve all my problems, it did not, all right? It's not giving me this eternal joy. It's not bringing world peace. Like, it didn't do the things I thought it would. So I don't need to end up in this situation again. And how I can avoid that is making more intentional purchases, just being like a more intentional consumer. And I would love to do another episode more on that. So let me know if that interests you. Because in the spirit of this podcast, we're doing things and we're doing them together. We're figuring it out as we go together. And if you feel so inclined, it's a great time of the year right now to kind of sift through your stuff. At least where I am, it's cold and miserable outside. So I'm like trying to find things to occupy my time indoors. So if you're feeling the same way, maybe take a peek in that closet of yours, all right? See what you can donate. Makeup, again, great place to start. I know I'm not the only one that hoards old makeup. Just from going through my makeup and my clothes, I'm feeling a thousand times better. It's such a good feeling knowing that the stuff that you have, it all goes to good use. Like no no clothes that I have now are things that like I know I'm never going to put on my body. The makeup that I'm keeping now is just like a small little bag of the stuff that I know that I will use. It feels so good. It feels, I feel lighter. It's a great feeling. So I highly encourage you to maybe do the same. And all that to say, I think there are more and more people that are becoming more aware of the negative aspects of influencing and how overconsumption is affecting us. And I'm really interested to see what the future of influencing looks like. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. It ended up being so much longer than I thought. But when I get going on a topic, I get going. All right. I've said before, I got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot of feelings and, and we're here to share them. You get to know what it is like inside my brain. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for spending part of your day with me. It seriously, seriously means so much. I know there's so much content out there to consume. So to know that you chose this out of all of your options, thank you so much. Seriously, means the world to me. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And until next time, see ya.